0: so beautiful to be with you all and to share time with you. Father, thank you for unity. Thank you for diversity. Thank you that you created every one of us to make a difference. Take your seats, and we're going to talk a bit about identity tonight, so I thought the best way to start out talking about identity is for Jane to tell you who we are.
1: Well, as I look around, I see each of us like a great big cup, and we've all been thirsty, and we've all come to drink, and he's like filled us up, and each of the cups, I guess, is different. I just... um, made me cry just watching different ones just pour out their love and their worship to the Lord and just caught up with him and it's so beautiful so well done everybody it's so beautiful Wanted me to introduce us, and uh, I feel like it would be good to give a few highlights of where we have been, we have remembered where God has come and touched us, where He's he's done something in our hearts that has made us go, yes. It's like I remember when I was really little, and I remember thinking that I had so much being in the family that I was in and I asked God to leave me and go to the children in Africa and it was like an intercession thing I just felt like I had so much but all of a sudden I felt very bereft like no come back come back and it was I don't know what all that was but it was a little girl like I want to share this love it's so big and that was my at that point small concept of of people who had less than I did but I you know, as I grew up and I went to our local church with my parents and my two younger sisters, mm-hmm. and there were key p- times in those years where yeah. God allowed my heart to cry out to him. And, um, you know, one was when some other people were being confirmed into, like, a, a church tradition there they were asked a question, do you turn to Christ? And I remember my heart. Like, I do, but how? I do, but how? And that's what he wants, is us to ask him, where are you, daddy? And then he does it, doesn't he? When I went to university, I thought I would have to creep out church because I knew I wanted to go to church but I didn't expect there to be other young people. And I was pleasantly surprised to find a group like all of you. It was called the Christian Union. But I I met up with all these people who love Jesus, who love God, and I was just caught up into all of that. It was just we all on Sundays went to different churches but together we met on campus and it was it was a really three years of a great community. And um, it was there that I really grew in my faith, really grew in my assurance, saw how God guided me personally, got baptised as a believer. Apparently I woke my parents up. Ring, ring, I want to get baptised as a believer. I, I think it was really late at night, and they actually got <laughs> woken up by my phone <laughs> <uncle>. call. <laughs> but they were there. They came to it. <laughs> and they they were also on their own journey of going deeper and so I I think they I don't know when they got baptised but all of my family now has been baptised and followed and my dad's in heaven and uh, Mark and I met in London it's a whole big story, it would be very confusing to say we met at a bus stop but we did doesn't (laughs) sound quite like it is but I think some of you have heard the story. (laughs) But I had actually moved back home from university and was commuting up to London for one more year, training as a music therapist. And I was now back at my home church, but I was a plant that had grown a bigger root system, and now I was living back home. And that big larger root system was now having to be squashed into this little pot that I used to be in didn't quite fit and I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to express that and so I sort of internalized it and actually every Sunday I came away from church crying it didn't feel like a really great thing and so anyway I just knew that there was the whole thing about seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you and I knew that there was a really good church in London and I knew that's where I would like to take my friends. In fact, that's where I wanted to go. And and he actually moved me to London, to this perfect place, shared an apartment with two other girls. And the first week I met Mark and I thought, wow, it must be amazing to be his friend. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, actually when we did... Actually, our first date wasn't immediately. It was a while after that, but Mark has a whole other story of that. But we actually, from our first date, got engaged six weeks later because at that point we did know. When I said yes to him to go out, I knew I was saying yes to him for everything. It was like an arrow came out of my mouth and miss indecisive that I'm not anymore knew that was arrow was yes for everything. And when we later we already had our three boys and um, God had put us into a corner, allowed us to go into a corner and there was now this God invitation to move to Canada to Toronto to where God was doing a whole lot of touching people's lives and doing more than you can ask or imagine and um, Mark said do you know where it is? I said, yes, I've moved. I had already moved. I'd gone. <laughs> even though we had to work out all the details of actually saying, yes, we were going to go. <laughs> yes, we were going to move our family. Yes, we were going to <laughs> finish n- a job that we were doing. And so he does that, doesn't he? he? He speaks to us. He shows us the next thing. And he often confirms things in our weakness. So as I pointed out I used to be indecisive but I, we, we always knew when God was leading us because I would always know not that Mark didn't but that I did <laughs> we did that with homeschooling our, our children we homeschooled for seven years after that's another whole story but after he did a huge healing in my heart and um, we didn't just assume that each next year we would homeschool but David was about to go to high school and I suddenly didn't have peace. And so we said, well, what are the other options? Try the different schools. Finally, Carolina Forest High School. I had complete peace. And then God said, and I called him to this. Well, here you are. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so... I love that uh, there's a little bit more on my side of the story, but we have three children who are 31, 29, 27, and our youngest is married. Our middle one is getting married next year, and our eldest is patiently waiting for his girlfriend to come back from the Navy out to sea. So, <laughs> But God's given us promises for each of them. He actually gave them their names um we were able to pray <laughs> 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 we knew who they were <laughs> he told us their like their destiny and like he pinpointed the time and uh, there they came and they're working on like you know i think sometimes we think do this and do that to to go along the journey with god but He is working on us individually. And it's our hearts he's after, not our behavior. And we were talking before, but you know, he has a story and a destiny for each one. And I know our children are really called. They have a calling. And that's what you said this morning, that everybody has a purpose. Everybody has such an amazing calling. And sometimes we have to be able to get it. Like, why didn't I know this before? we're getting it and we're getting more and there's more to get, so hold on to your (laughs) seatbelts.
0: Thank you, (laughs) Sita. I'll hear from Jane again in a a little while, but um, I wanted her to tell you some of those stories because who you are matters. Who you are matters. I love all of this morning so good i told brandon it was like he'd been looking over my shoulder at what i got prepared and just kind of you know taking notes and writing it down and then bringing his flavor to it so you're going to hear the same thing but a different thing in a different way from a different person so maybe god's trying to get to you (laughs) see the world says that if you seek your identity then you'll find your purpose But the word says that God created you with a purpose that actually imparts your identity. And that's what I want to focus on today. First off, what is God's purpose for you? Because my suspicion is for some of us, I know it here, but it hasn't dropped those vital 12 inches to here yet. Or even if it has, God wants to reinforce it because it's vital that your identity be rooted in what he says and be rooted in his truth and be rooted in your experience of him. You notice it's not just the truth, it's what he says, the rhema word of God as he speaks it not to your ears and your mind but to your heart and your spirit and your experience of that. So what is God's purpose for you? Number one, God created you to be loved. God created you to be loved. You are the object of God's affection. I think we all know that sin robbed us of that sense of God's presence, of, it robbed us of fellowship with the Father. But when it did that, he paid the ultimate price to resolve that, to redeem us. So what motivated God to go to such an extreme? Well, the word tells us that he loves us because he is love. So John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in all the Bible, for God so loved that he gave. Yeah? Love gives, doesn't it? Love can't help it. (laughs) And so... Of all the things that God could have created to love, he chose you. (laughs) God created you to be loved. Second thing that God created you for was to be in relationship with him. To be in relationship. John 17 verse 3 says, This is eternal life, that they might know the Father and the one whom he sent. God saved us so that he could restore our relationship with him. Because he loves us. He longs to communicate with you. He longs for you to hear him in the m- every moment of every day. He longs to reveal his heart to your heart. He longs to have you moving in the pl- his plan for your life. God is a father. And he wants many, many sons and daughters. Most of us in this room are not fathers in biological, human terms. But actually, many of you already know that longing for others to know the father. That makes you a father too. I'm a father, as Jane explained. I long for my boys to know the father better nothing will stop me longing for them to know the Father better. Because I've caught something of my Heavenly Father's heart for everybody. Because on a, a, a slightly lighter level, my heart longs for every person I meet to know the Heavenly Father. In fact, even at lunchtime, I was able to help someone experience the Father's love who's been living a bit more like an orphan for many years. He's been in ministry for years but has never really encountered the Father's love. And He left this room a different man because he experienced what I've experienced and many of us have experienced, that impartation of the Father's love. So God created you to be in relationship with him. And then thirdly, God created you to be an overcomer right you know he gave to Adam the responsibility to rule uh, uh, have dominion to subdue the earth to fill the earth but of course it all went wrong didn't it and so now we experience that as as trials and temptations because of the imperfection of our world but God created you to be an overcomer. I don't suppose any of us really like those trials and temptations, the sufferings we go through, but instead of, of just um, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to be a failure again, why don't you see those trials and those temptations as a, as a training so that you can begin to understand the joy of overcoming whatever the enemy throws at us? That's what God wants those trials and temptations and tests to be because without a test, there's no testimony. Right? And we all have a testimony because we've all overcome at least some of the tests that we've been set. (laughs) Count it all joy, James says in James 1 verse 2, when you fall into various trials and temptations. (laughs) I've failed at this one more than I've succeeded. But anyway, count it all joy because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and so on. Okay, so God created you to be an overcomer fourth part of God's purpose for you is he created you to know his will. He created you to know what he wants for you. He created you to live out of that and not out of what you've been taught by our world system. Okay, that's why we need our minds renewed. It's because we don't naturally know God's will and follow God's will. Romans 12 verse 2 says that we need to have our minds renewed in order to live the way God intended. Okay, But also Solomon, I love what this is in Proverbs uh, 3, Solomon says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now, many of us haven't experienced that in church. You know, we've all had our own varieties of experience, a little bit like Jane talked about, where you you come away feeling like a failure or crying or, (laughs) oh, this is terrible. I don't mean this church. (laughs) I mean church before, right? Because this church, like our church family that you were all part of this morning, we live to live this stuff. It's not about what to do, a, uh, well, that's getting too far ahead. Let me sh- keep talking about God's purpose and I'll come back to that. Fourth thi- no, Fifth thing, isn't it? How many have we had? Four. Fifth thing then, God created you to represent him here on the earth. That's another part of your purpose. God created Adam and Eve in his image and they were to represent God on the earth by ruling and having dominion and subduing, right? But they missed it. But God has restored it. God said, let us make mankind in our image. So if you saw Adam, you'd understand who God is. And then the answer to it all coming unraveled is Jesus, who Hebrews 1 verse 3 says is the express image of the Father. So Jesus is the new Adam, Scripture calls him, right? The second Adam. The Adam that got it right, not the Adam that got it wrong. And now you and I are in Christ. So you and I are created and designed to represent God on the earth. Just as Jesus expressed God's character every moment of every day, His plan for you and me is that we grow into expressing his character in the same way, representing him. So you have purpose. You have massively significant purpose. And your purpose imparts your identity. Because God says, you are my child and you are unique. And nobody else can be you. And therefore, you have a purpose in those five ways we talked about where you represent God in a way that nobody else can. Now, unique does not mean independent. Catch the difference, okay? Each of you is unique. As you look around the room, there are no two identical people in this room. There never will be. However, you can't go out by yourself and represent God what you said this morning. He sends us out in twos, partly because individually, none of us represents God accurately. Ideally, you need a male and a female for a start. And, and more of a, yeah, come on. Amen, <laughs> Amen sister. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Jane and I say we are the pastor of Catch the Fire. Because 35 years ago, somebody said, those whom God has joined together, let no one separate. And so far, it's working. So we are the pastor. Actually, I like to say she's the pastor and I'm the pastor's spouse, but that's another story. That's just a way of striking a blow against the way that the system works around here. Back to my original thoughts. (laughs) Unique and independent are not the same thing. You are created for intimacy with God and you are created for unity with his children. It's important that we embrace our intimacy with him and our unity with one another. That's why I'm so glad we're doing today. Now, Just because Jane and I are not here every week does not mean that we don't support and love what you're doing. It just means that usually by the time we finish doing what we're doing there isn't time to get back. (laughs) And you're already done before we're finished. But I'm glad that we're doing this today. We need to embrace both sides of what I said. Intimacy with God and unity with one another. So how do I embrace those two things? Well, you can't make it happen. Let me give you a little test here. This won't work for those of you using um, tablets and but if you've got a piece of paper, can you grab a pen and write your name on that piece of paper for me? Just take a second, find a piece of paper, write your name on it. There's a purpose to this, you'll see. Okay, just find a piece of paper and write your name on it for me. <laughs> Some of you are having to tear up your journals, I'm sorry, I should have warned you we needed paper. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Okay. Grab a pen. There's plenty of pens around. Grab a pen. Write your name on the piece of paper. Okay? Everybody get, had a chance to do that? Now, put the pen in your other hand and write your name again. Hold the pen in the other hand and write your name again. You said, I can't do that? Yeah, I can't do it either. Do they look the same? Nowhere near, right? Yeah. Is anybody in this room, um, what's it called, ambidextrous? There's, w- there's always one. <laughs> and it had to be you, I right day. This is beautiful. Love it. Good. Okay, so with the exception of the holiest person in the room. <laughs> The rest of us are struggling, right? What I want and what I get don't necessarily match up. Uh Uh-huh. What I want and what I get don't match up. Now, can you make the second name look like the first name by trying harder? Mm, Maybe a little. Can you make it look exactly the same by trying harder? I guarantee you, you could try until next Sunday and it still wouldn't look the same. If, I mean, please don't stay here all week, but <laughs> you, you could try and try and try. And isn't that what we've been trained to do? Well, you don't measure up, so try harder. But you can't. Yeah, you can make some improvement, you're Right. If you try harder, it'll get a little bit better, but it surely is not the same, except for Iday who's perfect. Don't strive to thrive. Don't strive to thrive. it's a gift. and it's given through relationship. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, if you dig into what those words say in the original Hebrew, the word that we translate wait on the Lord could mean to be intertwined or knit together or braided together. Now, you can tell that my heritage and my age don't give me the benefit of braids. But some of us in this room understand braids. Right? Come on. And you know how tight that is and how perfect that comes out. Right, bro? Come on. Looks great. You know, make me jealous. But But that's what it means. It's to be intertwined with God. Woven together tightly with the Holy Spirit. What a picture of being in this vital close relationship with our Father. Intertwined, braided together. And it says we'll mount up with wings like eagles. You could, you could translate that. You'll be drawn up on the thermals of the spirit into the, the, the upper reaches of the atmosphere of God's love because eagles just stretch out their wings and glide, don't they? And they go higher and higher and higher. Back in July, we were up in upstate New York. Uh, and in, the, in the canyon there that where we were, we were, we were staying, camping, there were eagles because the, the, the hot air rises off the canyon walls and they're just circling around going higher and higher and higher. It was effortless. Such a contrast to how so many of us have been raised, if you've been raised in church, where you've got to check the right boxes and try harder to make it work so that you can please God. Come on. There are so many passages in here that talk about how effortless it is if we're intertwined with our Heavenly Father to be what he made us to be. But you have to know him as Father to get there. I'm going to hand back to Jane for a second because I talked about us being in New York. We were actually up there for a Father's Love retreat for two weeks And it was particularly helpful for, well, for both of us, but especially for you. Why don't you tell us about it?
1: So we knew that there was a two-week Father Heart retreat. And I was already thinking that this summer, just gone, really should be like a sabbatical. I don't think that we've specifically taken a sabbatical ever. (laughs) Um. (laughs) But... I don't even know if I got the math exactly right. But when this came up, I'm thinking, well, then I don't know if that's going to take away from time with our family. Does this count as vacation or, you know, so I was starting to do the math and thinking, if we're away for two weeks, then what else can we do? You know, but then I could tell that Mark was really knew that we were meant to go. And that was enough for me. So, so we went and we were tagging on one more week after it so that we could camp with the Eagles, and um, our middle son and his girlfriend, I guess fiance now, um, came to camp as well. But anyway, these two weeks were life-changing. So we have, we have offered Father Heart schools here, and one of the things that they say is don't take notes. But it's very hard for me to not take notes because I don't want to miss anything. And so we have been in probably six or seven A schools. And I think for the first five, I took notes. (laughs) But the last two, I didn't. I lay on the floor like that, and I put a blanket on the floor, covered me over like a little bug, and just, (laughs) like, just (laughs) soaked it in. And I literally got so changed, because I'm thinking, wait a minute. They're recording it anyway, so I can listen again. I don't have to get it this time around in my head. I could get it in my heart, in my spirit. So I lay on the floor for a couple of A schools and this two weeks. And I. I can't really put into words what changed, but I just know that something very deep happened. And... I stand in more authority and um, just more like heaven's landed
0: I have the privilege of probably knowing her better than anybody and I would say she's become more of herself Just by laying on the floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just by stopping. Yeah. Because you see, Father always loves to restore relationship with his children. That's his heart. Always. I think that probably the most important verse in this whole library of scriptures is John chapter 14, verse 18. John 14, verse 18, where Jesus says, speaking what his Father says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come. That's always his cry toward every one of his children whether we realize we're his children or not. So even the most ungodly people out there if they can pause and listen they will hear God saying to them, I will not leave you orphaned. I will come to you. And that's what our brother that I was praying for at lunchtime experienced been in ministry for many years quite successful by man's measure but had never experienced the love of God for him until today and God said to him I won't leave you as an orphan striving to survive and to prove yourself and to make a difference and to complete the checklist of all the things that God wants you to do. I'll come to you. And I'll love you. And I'll be your dad. And you can read it. And you can memorize it. But in the end, all that gives you will be a headache. Or you can experience it. And experience happens here, not here. I'm not knocking knowing with your mind. I'm just saying it's not the whole picture. It's a bit like having one of your legs cut off and trying to run. That analogy just occurred to me, so maybe it's helpful to one of you. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Paul had this revelation and he prayed this amazing prayer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to placing as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And if you're reading along with me, yes, I did change that, I'll explain. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. See, my goal today is that you go out of here comfortable with God calling you Because that is your identity. Who you are really matters. And you are beloved. Now let me go back to verse 5 and just explain why I changed it. Most of your translations will say something about adopting us as sons. Or the adoption of sons. Well I added sons and daughters because the word is actually both (laughs) in the original Greek. The ado- we use adoption today as a kind of second best you know if mom and dad are not around or something's gone badly wrong well, well, we'll find you a substitute who'll try to be as good as possible to replace what you lost which is not quite this is not what God is talking about in, in, the, the, in the scripture when he, he brings us in that the Greek word is and if you're writing notes don't even try and spell it but I can tell you later But what it means is in the family, because of course back then you couldn't guarantee that all your kids were going to survive. We didn't have medicine in the way we do now and that kind of thing. So at some point, the father of the household would appoint, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And he's the one who will inherit and take the family on the next generation. And he would choose that son with the the greatest opportunity to carry on the family line. And if he hadn't got a son, he actually would go out and he would find a son from somebody else and adopt into the family the son who could carry on the family line. But there would be this huiothesia ceremony where the person who's been chosen gets placed into the sonship, into the inheritance. So that's why we call it being placed as a son or a daughter in God's family. Because that's the way he sees us. You're his child already, but he wants you to understand that you're placed as a chosen son or daughter in the family to inherit everything that he has and to carry on the family. It's what Jesus talked about in John fourteen twenty three when he said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. There's a lot going on inside of you right now because father and son are making themselves at home. Now I have lived with this lady for a long time and I understand what it's like to make a home. If there's something that doesn't fit, you take it out and you take it to the store. And if there's something missing, you go out and find it and bring it in. And then you move it all around to make it so that it's welcoming and peaceful and spacious and homey. Oh, Father and Son and Holy Spirit are doing the same inside of you. Like, oh, yeah, this is a nice house. Let's just move this bit a bit. Let's add this bit. Let's take the, you know, there's some renovation going on. There's some rearranging happening. And if it feels like God's kind of got his fingers on you and he's pushing stuff around, you can have two responses to that. You can get all bent out of shape because you didn't want to let him do that, or you can say, oh, he's making himself at home. Let me tell you that there are consequences to both of those choices, and I recommend the second one. See, it's not about my effort, it's not about my initiative, it's not about me having this kind of clipboard of what God wants and seeing if I can get it right. A long time ago, back actually when I first met, or just before I first met Jane, I was very dysfunctional. She says that she saw me and thought, it must be wonderful to be his friend. Well, there must have been something really wrong with her eyesight in those days because... I had just been given this, this cartoon by a friend who knew me well. How many of you know Calvin and Hobbes? Yes. The little kid, you know? Well, you, if you imagine Calvin in one of his wild moments, that's the picture and the thing. And the caption on this cartoon was, God put me on earth to accomplish a certain number of things and right now I'm so far behind I'm never going to die. And that pretty much summed up the way I was living then. I had this whole long list of all the things God wanted me to do and I was doing my best to get on with it. It was stinky, <laughs> But God knew that he needed to intervene in that. And I am nearly done. <laughs> but he took us to Toronto to a conference to see through a process of interview whether we should move there and join the leadership team. Holy Spirit's been moving there for about three and a half years at this point. All kinds of amazing things happening. So we traveled to Toronto. It was a miraculous provision to get us there. And alongside of that, we realized, we knew, that God was squeezing us out of where we were presently ministering because I had no revelation of being loved for anything other than what I do. So I was trying to do my way to perfection. You know what happens when you do your way to perfection? It's do, 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 do. doesn't work so my boss had hired somebody else to replace me he couldn't fire me because the british labor laws don't work that way but basically i've got nothing to do he sidelined me he called it strengthening the senior team because it was much too nice to say mark you're a jerk but he should have said that because i was and we go to toronto (laughs) and i'm like How can I ever fit into something as amazing as this? Because I don't even qualify for what I just got kicked out of. But what we didn't know till we got there was that the conference we'd gone to was titled, The Father Loves You. And in that week, he showed me that he loved me. That he wasn't put off by the stink of all of my effort, Because if you remember the prodigal son, he came home covered in doo-doo, didn't he? His was pig doo-doo. That's even worse. But his father ran to him and kissed him and hugged him and brought him home. He didn't wait for him to be cleaned up. He embraced him and kissed him before he cleaned him up. Read it in Luke 15. And that's what father did for me. And that's what father wants to do for every one of us. He wants us to live out of our homecoming. He wants us to live out of our identity as children of God. It's about me knowing what my dad is doing, and I do it with him. It's not about me doing something to impress him. It's about, what are you doing, Father? How can I join in? So he's always with me. And he never leaves me alone. (laughs) Now, when two or more people are living that way, you can't stop them being drawn together. It's magnetic. Once we're aligned with the Father, you know how magnets just pull together when they're aligned right? They repel if they're not aligned right. But they're drawn together when they're aligned right. And that's what's happening in the kingdom is God is aligning his sons and daughters to live the way Jesus lived. I only do what I see my father do. The words you hear are not my words, they're the father's words. That's why we're in partnership, that's why we got together Sunday, because as soon as we met these two, we knew that the magnets were aligned. Right? And there was this ding between us. Have we got to have dinner together as often as we want to? No. We're still working on it. Father, please. But there's this alignment where we're drawn together. All right. So your identity comes from your purpose. And daily, God wants you to live in that place of intimacy and unity. See, church is not an organization. Church is not a corporation. Church is not a, a, a service on a Sunday. Church is not a place you go. Church is an organism. It's the body of Christ. And Paul said to the Corinthians, though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. The church today has many guides, tutors, People who know the right answer, the seven steps to make your church grow, or the right thing to do, or you should do this and you shouldn't do that, and this is right and that's wrong, and don't you dare drink, or don't you dare go to movies, or don't you well, don't you dare doubt. Probably isn't in any of our backgrounds, but you know, whatever. We've got loads of guides, but God's looking for fathers and mothers. You see, once you become a son or a daughter. You can become a son. Uh, excuse me, you can become a father or a mother. God wants you and I to grow into fatherhood and motherhood. Fathers give life. I'm saying fathers, so I mean fathers and mothers. But spiritual fathers and mothers give life. They prioritize relationship. They love without ceasing. They love enough to speak the truth. They want God's best for you. They model what this looks like with their whole lives. They gently propel you towards your purpose. They say this is the way, walk in it. That's Isaiah 30, verse 21. The church too often has... Actually, um, who should I pick on? Quiz can I borrow you for a moment? <laughs> you just happen to be closest. but The church too often... Has done Isaiah 30, verse 21, like this. This is the way, walk in it. And don't raise your hands, but any of us ever experienced that? Yeah, me too. I've done it sometimes too, not recently. But what it really is, can you turn around and walk back towards your seat. It's like, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. Just that gentle guidance. That gentle voice, thank you. (laughs) It just makes more sense when you see it acted out. That's the way Father wants to be with us. He wants to speak life. He wants to speak life. So who you are really matters. Let's say yes to him again tonight. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to give you three... Ways that you may want to respond to what we've looked at. And I'll let you choose how you respond. But before you respond, I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Brandon to close us out. So three ways that we can respond. If you are looking, or if you feel God leading you to want a greater revelation of him as your father and you being placed as his son or daughter, I want you to go to someone that you see already walks in that revelation and ask them to impart it to you, just like I did with the gentleman at lunchtime. Just pray, Father, would you give my brother, my sister, a greater revelation of who you are to them and who they are to you? Some of you, it may be that you are being challenged by God to reaffirm your willing submission to the fathers and mothers that God has put in your life, spiritual fathers and mothers. If so, your homework with that is to tell them. Go to them, call them, email them, text them, whatever. And just thank them for being spiritual father or mother to you. Thank them, honour them. Because that act of submission, Jane and I have both done it with leaders in our lives multiple times. And every time, it increases our revelation of our own sonship and daughtership. But for many of you, I believe you're ready to become a spiritual father or mother. And I'd love to pray for you. And it just it agree with you for that anointing to be able to release others into their destiny. doesn't matter what age you are you're if you know you're already a son or daughter of the father and you're ready to become a father or mother to others around you i'd love to pray for you so father thank you that who we are matters that our identity comes from you and your purpose for each of us thank you for each one in this room for the purpose you have for each one that's unique the way that you've united our purposes together in order that the kingdom would come now Father would you take us on another step increase our revelation of you as our father and us as your sons and daughters help us to submit to the spiritual fathers and mothers you've placed in our lives and help us to become spiritual fathers and mothers ourselves in Jesus name
2: for uh, delivering that word and we thank you for it I took lots of notes and it was really good so we thank God for it really yeah yeah <laughs> some great notes there uh, would you stand to your feet I believe that uh, we can move as he said I think, I think that movement is necessary in a service in a moment in a meeting like this So before we take that step, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Lift your hands. Lord, show us. Show us now. Where you want us to go, who you want us to go to, Lord. Give us the word for it now. Give us the articulation to say what it is that you would have us to say to each of them. Father, we pray that there is even a deeper unity in this room now but not just among us, but unity with your spirit so that we can speak the words of the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to travel to a person in this room and just take a moment to follow the guide that he has given us, but also take a moment just to pray with that person. Can we move quickly now?